Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So, let's design success together. Now your hosts. Hey everyone, welcome back to Leadership is Tricky. I'm here again with uh, Colonel Charles Dean Smith. So for the sake of the group, we're going to call him Dean today. And we're getting into uh, the second part of his practical leadership uh, series that he's posted on leadershipistricky.com, where he shares his experiences and some actionable ways uh, to lead teams. So uh, good morning, uh, Dean. How are you? Hey, good morning, Eric. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, welcome back. And, uh, you know, thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy, um, you know, attending the War College. So anytime that you can give us, uh, we appreciate it. Um, for folks that don't know, um, you know, uh, Dean and I, we we used to work together when we were in Germany and uh, we spent a lot of time uh, talking about leadership and, uh, you know, different ways that we can be better and we would challenge each other. And, um, you know, you wrote this series for us and we really appreciate it. And let's just dive right into it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So um, the part two talks about taking time to understand those under your care as a leader. Um, so why, why'd you, why'd you go down that path and why is this important to you? Uh, so I, I think we talked in the previous, or, uh, the previous uh, show about, uh, building a team and, and having, uh, good team members and being part of a team. Uh, this is really about understanding who the people are you're working with, taking the time to kind of invest in them, understand what their goals and, and their aspirations are, um, and how, and sharing yours with them so that uh, you can kind of build your, your team together. Uh, it kind of really helps build the synergy in the organization um, as you're uh, looking at uh, activities that you need to participate in. Um, what I also found is as you learn more about people, you'll find that there's much more to them than their resume. And you really don't find those out until you ask them or you put them in challenging positions where they start to, to blossom. Uh, and that can show you where they want to grow um, that communication uh, between you and them uh, kind of enables a uh, an understanding of who they are, um, what their kind of their family makeup is. So if you know they've got uh, challenges with their family, maybe extended family members, or the health of someone in the family is is not uh, not very good, um, that may take their focus away from the organization at times. Understanding what's going on in somebody's life is uh is very uh very good to understand what they're doing so especially when you're looking at performance and you need them to perform and maybe they're being distracted by something in their life having that conversation and understanding where they are um, you might can um, manage that a little bit better so that's kind of what i was after with that portion no i think that's important too um to really understand your teammates and um, you know, Nick, uh, not Nick, but uh, Steve and I, we were talking about um, adaptive versus technical leadership. And yes. uh, this really gets into the more adaptive piece of understanding the squishy stuff of leadership, you know, yeah. understanding people's uh, triggers and uh, those things that, um, you know, that make them tick um, as, as professionals and the things that also put them in a heightened state, state of uh, disequilibrium or chaos uh, sure. within an organization. So. Um, the first thing that you said was uh, you ask about a teammate's history. That's the first point yeah. that you wanted to make in your your article. Yeah. Um, so 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 what do you mean by that? So finding out kind of where they came from, their background. So like for me, I came from a dairy farmer's perspective, and so I'm I'm very used to hard work, working outside. Uh, not everybody shares that um, that history, and so not everybody feels the same way. Uh, but it's also 
understanding kind of, hey, what did they study in school? Were they good at sports? Were they good at chess? Um, where did they really succeed? And where are their passions? Uh, where do their passions lie? Uh, and so sometimes as we're in an organization, we kind of mute our passions or, or put them on pause to try to, to form to the organization. And what I wanted to do was, well, what's your passion? What are you passionate about? And how can I unlock that for you? Can I put you on um, a project that really taps into your passion? Uh, I know one time we were going through a, a marketing kind of strategy here in an organization. Uh, and I actually found somebody who had a marketing degree. Was it on their resume? Didn't talk about it at all. But they were a professional marketeer. I was like, well, wow, if I could tap into that power and that power became unleashed. Um, that individual blossomed in the organization um, and really took that to the next level. And it was just taking the time to, to understand what they were passionate about. And it may be a little bit beyond their, their job description, but um, if, you can, if you can harness that uh, passion that they have just by talking to them and understanding and giving them tasks that align with that, um, you kind of see the organization and, and the person grow. Yeah, but in most cases, when people are passionate about something, they're going to give full effort and they're going to be on board, whether it's in their position description or not. Because uh, Steve and I, we talk about it all the time about, you know, this is our passion. You know, we know that we're giving up lunch hours to do this or we're giving up some evenings to do this or, you know, some weekends. But it's something that we're passionionate about. So it doesn't seem like work. But right. those are easy to spot, right? Those are easy people to spot. Yeah. What you're looking for are the people that are in the organization that don't readily show that. And so especially if you've got somebody that just came to the organization, you're trying to understand them, maybe spend some time with them, understand what their passions are and help them grow in that area so that they fit in with the larger team. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great point, because I, I think you're also tapping into the next point that you made in your paper is understanding their family makeup. Right. Because yeah. it could be, you know, something that, you know, uh, they're passionate about is their family. Um, yes. You know, so how do we give them more time to spend with them or how do we include their family? And I think right. we talked about in the last episode about having an integrated life. So how do we integrate the family makeup into their day to day? Because we spend a lot of time at work. Sure. So so how do we yeah. do that? So so I'll turn it over to you just to you know let the audience know exactly what you meant by understand their family makeup. Yeah. And I think you talked about it uh, in a previous um, episode about balance. And, and I agree with you. I don't think there's a balance. I think you surge to where the need is at the, of, at the time. Uh, and as long as you understand um, kind of your family makeup and other people's family makeup. So, for example, if you got somebody that's very passionate about their family, so giving them a time off award for them to go spend time with their family may be so much powerful than, than giving them you know a, a recognition award. Or, or doing something else for them or having them, hey, that's probably not the best guy at the moment to go spend six weeks TDY at a, a location to go do something. Um, maybe you pick somebody else um, based on their passion and, and how they their family's made up. Um, but it's also going back to that um, where they came from. Um, so their family makeup goes beyond just their immediate family. What's How did they grow up? Um, what are kind of the experiences that shaped them? Uh, so like I said, I, I'm come from a dairy farmer's life, and I, I I value very much hard work, and I put a lot of dedicated work into it. Not that others don't, but I see things differently sometimes. It's also understanding just that I see things differently sometimes, and I want to understand where you came from so that so that we can better communicate, uh, kind of be on the same language as you go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
It's it's interesting how you 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 framed it that way too because I didn't think about it until now. Yeah, you said you grew up on a dairy farm, so you know uh, you'll wake up early and you'll be out there, you know, working the farm, and you know that's probably before your day even gets started. Um, yeah, you know, you yeah. have all these series of tasks, so um, yeah, it puts things in perspective because I know you do work extremely hard, and like I said, you know, you and I would be there late, um, you know, working yeah. through things and talking through things, so. Um, another thing uh, we we kind of we kind of touched touched this on this on the last last episode is about actively listening. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that uh, you said we should practice. So, um, so as it relates to what we're talking about now, um, taking time to understand, you know, how does actively listening play into that? So I would I would take the time to go down to somebody's office and sit and talk with them about what's going on. Hey, what's happening in your life? Not a counseling session per se, more of an understanding session. Hey, I can see maybe you're distracted by this. Do you do you mind telling me what's going on? And then sitting there and actively listening to what they're telling you, having that kind of face-to-face conversation, um, so you can kind of get the full um, communication uh, between their body language, their tone, their voice, their words, and really kind of actively listening to what they're communicating to you, not just the words they're telling you. And so going to their their office or going to their organization. Um, sometimes that really takes some barriers away and um, you can you can actively listen. You don't have to worry about answering the phone or doing anything else. It puts you in their realm and in their moment. Um, and you can also see, are they actively listening to you? So if you're communicating with them, are they listening and are they actively communicating with you? So are there any uh, techniques that you use um, when you go into those types of sessions? Because I know there's a there's a professional dialogue form that I use. I mean, my memory is pretty good. Um, if you ask my wife, you'd probably, she'd probably say otherwise. But, um, you know, it's, it's fairly good where I can sit down with someone. I always ask them questions like, you know, why are you here? You know, what are some of your strengths? And, you know, what are the competencies that make you who you are? Um, and then, you know, some of your developmental areas. And then we'll, we'll have that dialogue for 20 minutes. And that's usually after 20 minutes, I'm... Yeah, I'm, I'm done with the conversation and I'm kind of exhausted at that point. But um, but through that, you know, I capture some of those competencies and some of those conversational points on a piece of paper um, that I've structured that works for me. Um, and I believe that it works with with, with a lot of folks. Um, you know, some people are different, but um, that's a way for me for the next time we have this discussion or dialogue that, you know, we can kind of focus the conversation and then I can you know, receive the information in a focused, you know, focused and structured way. So that way um, it helps guide the discussion. But are there any other techniques that you might use? So so I would say the biggest thing I use is frequency. Um, going to talk with them often, going in, in, in um, it's that routine. It's that, hey, I'm going to see you. I'm going to, even if it's just saying hello to you, hey, I'd walk the halls sometimes in different organizations just to see what people are doing. Sometimes I'd walk the halls, I'd sit down and just kind of be there and watch what's going on, watch how people interacted. Um, I'd have people come up to me, hey, what are you doing? Why are you here? What are you? I was going to say, you probably thought I was creepy. Kind of weird, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you're creeping on me. And it's like, no, I'm just trying to understand your environment um, so that I can see what's going on with you. And I think I think the biggest thing was I don't I didn't do it as formal as that. Um, it's that routine conversation over time. And maybe it's. Hey, how's your how's your husband or spouse? How are your kids? Do you have kids? Yeah, you have kids. Hey, another thing I, I thought was very powerful was hey, what name do you go by? I think we talk about it in one of the uh, articles, maybe the one coming up. But what name do you go by? 
right? What's the name that you want to be called um, both professionally and personally? And being able to, to, to talk to that person on a personal level, it's a very interpersonal skill. Um, and I think I'm, I'm less formal about it, uh, but more, but I'm deliberate about it. And I, I walk the halls, go see people that I haven't seen with a goal of seeing everybody in the, in my team, uh, in the organization, at least once during one of the, you know, say a, a month or two months, depending on what organization it is, but seeing everybody in their environment so I can better understand what they do. That's hard to do. That's a, that's a large commitment of time. But I found that that is so worth it um, when you go out and you seek out people um, to kind of understand what they're what they're doing, what they're going through. So that's interesting because I, I kind of do the same thing in the morning. So I have a routine where, you know, I park mm-hmm. my car before I go to my office, before I log on my machine, I go to my team's offices, say good morning. How was your weekend? How are you doing? Is there anything that I can help you with yes. um, uh, before I go to my desk? Because once I get to my desk and the meetings start. You know, it's it's easy where I, I might not see them all day. Um, and I also yeah. do the same thing on the way out, you know, because I know there would be, you know, one or two people that are working late trying to, you know, get those last few tasks done. Um, yep. I'll go sit down with them and, you know, let them know that, you know, they're doing a good job yep. and where can I help them the next day? You know, so um, that's, that's one of the things that I've implemented. And I actually stole that from you. So. Because uh, I know you'd, you'd walk around and do the creepy thing you do and <laughs> <laughs> kind of ask those questions. But yeah. Um, so but I'll tell you but before you leave that. So one more thing about that. Um, so one other thing I, I, I tried to create is I wanted a dedicated time that we could personally interact with everybody, um, kind of not in the office setting. So, for example, we do a potluck like every every month we put on the calendar. We had a potluck um, and that was open for anybody that wanted to participate and we got every, sometimes it would be almost the entire organization show up. Sometimes it was just me sitting in the office, but I was absolutely dedicated to being there. And I, no kidding, I would sit there sometimes and I'd have people walk by the room where the potluck was at. Cause it's the same place every, every month, mm-hmm. walk by the room and go, why are you seeing this? Like, it's potluck time. I'm here for potluck. If you want to join me, come bring your lunch in. And I literally have one or two people go grab their lunch and bring it and come sit down and have a conversation. And so building that routine over time and having that space to interact uh, really kind of helped me understand people, the people in the organization better, kind of what was going on in their lives, um, and kind of then help invest in the team a little bit. Yeah, I think that's overlooked sometimes, the uh, the need to create a holding environment for or a safe space uh, for yeah. an organization. I think that gets overlooked because we're so – caught up in the the mundane tasks, you know, day to day, um, and the pressures that we have to make sure that we deliver every day that, um, yeah, just taking a little bit of time and sitting there and, and, uh, you know, sharing a meal, understanding some of those problems, because potentially those are, those are your champions to, to get after some uh, critical work uh, that needs to be done. So, and they'll appreciate that because they, they've invested a little bit of time with you to understand who you are. So, sure. Yeah, I think uh, I think if I were to walk by and see you sitting there at a, in a, at a potluck by yourself, I probably would have judged you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm open enough for that. <laughs> so, so one of the things that uh, um, that you have here is talking about using a common language, and this hits home for me is uh, being a knowledge management type person and understanding taxonomies and knowing how critical those are to make sure that we're all talking the same thing and being associated with the military, the government, the army. We use a lot of acronyms. 
Yes. Um, and, you know, even even on the in industry, you know, just from the limited knowledge that I do have of industry, um, they use a lot of acronyms as well. And mm-hmm. if you put someone from industry in the military and someone from the military in the industry, you know, we'd be probably saying the same thing, but we'd be using a thousand acronyms and words that we don't mean. So yeah. there's no common understanding. Um, yeah, so there's no universal translator that helps us. Absolutely. So so I'll turn it over to you, you know, because I know you have a great perspective on that because. I've sat in meetings with you where you'll stop someone and say, hey, uh, yeah, what does that acronym mean? Yeah. Or, or what does that word mean? Because it means something to me. So so I'll turn it over to you for that. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, Eric. I mean, I, I think um, you have to be able to communicate. And if you don't have a common language, then it's very difficult to do so. Um, and you, you and I have seen it sitting in meetings of people that will come in and they'll They'll have this wonderfully, you know, eloquent speech, and they tell you everybody, everything that they're they're thinking, and then you're going, well, "What? A, I don't understand the thing you're talking about." Because the words that you use, they they mean different things to me, right? So it's like about secure or something like that. That means like seven different things. Uh, and I spent some time in NATO, and uh, NATO is even worse than the army is about acronyms because we just make up our own. Um, but it's not only just the acronyms, it's the, it's the word choices that we use. Um, and we particularly see that in meetings um, uh, of staffs, I think, where, where you come into a meeting and you think everybody understands what you're saying. Everybody knows that acronym. Well, that's not really true, especially as you're constantly onboarding and offboarding people in the organization. 20% turnover rate, something like that, where you get uh, a lot of new people that are coming into the organization. If they don't understand what you're talking about, they walk away from the meeting going very, oh, crap, what did I get myself into? I don't even know what these people are talking about, uh, much less how do I contribute in that environment if I don't even know what you're saying. So I was very particular about it. If you used a word I didn't understand, I would be the first one to say, I don't understand what you're saying. Please explain what you mean, and then let's make sure we're using the same terminology. I went so far as some of the briefings, I actually asked, that they add a, um, an acronym or a, a list of words, uh, almost like a, a glossary in the back mm-hmm. of the briefing to say, hey, well, what did you mean by that? So that I understand what you're communicating, not just the words you're using. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's funny because, you know, as we turn over a ton of people, you know, every little cycle that we have, especially here overseas, um, you know, we have people coming in from industry, we have people coming in from different services. And they'll sit through a meeting and they don't have the courage to, to ask, right. you know, what does that mean? But they'll whisper over, you know, like, what is that? You know, but, right. um, and, and I think we have to do a better job at, at using taxonomies and, and educating people on exactly what we're talking about or just spelling things out or stop being so acronym heavy. Yes. Um, and, and I don't want to say it, it's not be cognizant, but it's, uh, be more, um, empathetic, with those yeah. coming into the organization that uh, that that need to understand, but they probably won't, and they don't have that courage to to, to then ask the questions. Sure, um, I think a lot of people they they think that they work with the same people in the same language every day. And when they're briefing somebody, mm-hmm. they don't really understand their audience, or they think their audience is one person, like the the boss, where the audience is not just the boss. Maybe the boss understands. But if you're only communicating to that one individual and not the rest of the room, um, you're missing a great opportunity. So as you're communicating with the room, um, making sure the boss understands what you're saying, that really kind of helps the entire organization grow. Yeah, because I think it goes back to is um, uh, in our previous conversation is valuing people's time 
Yeah. And if you're just throwing acronyms out there and they shut you out the first five minutes of an, of a meeting, you've yeah. lost the power of collaboration. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so the last thing that you had, um, on this particular um, part two of your practical leadership series is grow beyond the current job, right? Or, or assisting people grow beyond their current job. Yep. Um, so, so, so what were your thoughts there? So I go back to that invest, invest in your people, invest in your team. Um, so we, we know we typically don't stay in an organization more than a couple of years. I mean, three, five, maybe seven years, but we all rotate. Um, and at some point you're going to outgrow your job. Um, I want to help you do that if that's what you want to do. So it goes back to having that conversation about, hey, where do you want to be? Where do you see yourself? And that could be part of your formalized communication that you're going through is what's your plan? Where do you plan to be? Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, I know somebody who plans to be an SES, and they're taking the steps to get there, right? Um, and so they're taking the jobs. They're taking the activities. They're doing the things that, that gets them to their goal. So I want to help grow them beyond their current job. I want to invest in them, send them the training, give them tasks that will help them grow, give them tasks that will help them participate and learn those those skills that they need to grow beyond their current position and to be more effective in their leadership positions they're aspiring to. So, but we have to deliberately do that. We can't send them in places that don't help them or don't align to what their goals are because then they, they could see that as a distraction. But it's that communication that really enables that. And we have tools to do that. We have, you know, education opportunities that we can send people on. Um, we can send people uh, or put them in specific teams that will help them grow to, um, you know, to what they're trying to get to. Uh, so it's that how do I, I, I look at you and I want to say, I see you being beyond this organization. You shouldn't be in that job seven years from now. What are you going to do to grow out of that job? And, and more, how can I help you do that? What are those activities that I can give you? What training can I send you to? Can I send you to ITIL training? Can I send you to PMP training? Can I can I give you tasks that grow you beyond that? Um, you know, and you know, there's uh, I think you had Katie on. Uh, Katie Cook was on your show uh, not too long ago. Um, we invested in her because we saw her wanting to grow. She's just an example, one example of, of seeing that that growth occur. I want to be better than I am. She did. She grew beyond her, her current position. She grew into the next position, and I suspect she will keep growing. Yeah, so um, it's, it's, it's taking that time to invest in them. Yeah, that's a great point because I think we often get caught up in the right now. You know, we get caught up in the right now, and we don't focus on how do we grow folks and make them more marketable after now, after this. Um, oftentimes, we get scared that they're going to leave. Uh, but, the, yeah. but the reality is everyone leaves, you know, so we have to invest right. in people and build their skills and companies while they're here in the moment so yes. that we can utilize those skills here in the moment. And if they happen to leave, I mean, you're better off for it because you've impacted someone's life. And if they stay within the government or uh, they stay with, you know, go to industry that supports the government or they just go to industry, you know, somehow you've given back and they're going to give that back. Absolutely. And I think that's our job. Um, and, I, and I said it in uh, the, the episode, in fact, episode eight, uh, I said leadership is about putting people in the unavoidable path of learning. So, yeah. you know, we have to push folks to learn from you know, their experiences and the conflict and the situations and the tasks and put them in places where they can get can get the education, have those resources to better you know grow their skills. And um, and with that, you know, It'll benefit the organization. It'll benefit us. Um, and then we can learn from each other because maybe they can bring something back to the organization and share with others. 
Um, yeah, I think a good part of that too is you, you give them the space to fail uh, and the space to try, uh, because a lot of times you learn, uh, you know, from your failures and, and when you try something and try something new and you expand yourself and. And when you have somebody that's so afraid to fail, they won't take any risk and they won't go beyond that. If you create an environment where it's okay if they do fail, um, then you underwrite that and you continue to invest in them. Then you can see them take those risks and they will start growing beyond themselves. That's what I've seen. Yeah, I think you're spot on because, you know, with that failure, you'll see growth. And one of the things that, you know, you said in your article and even the title of it says grow beyond the current job right so how do you how do you foster that growth how do you activate that growth and it's by motivating people to be better versions of themselves in the positions that they're in so that way um as you're having those conversations about what they want to do next you know you can invest in that you can activate that that part of their of their uh professional journey yeah Um, absolutely and and i think that's 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 amazing um I, i do want to thank you for coming on the show because uh, we're, we're reaching the end of uh, the, even this segment. Um, you know, as as we uh, post uh, part three of the practical leadership series, uh, we'll bring you back on and we can have another conversation about that. Um, but do you have any parting shots for folks that um, are listening today that, you know, we've given them some practical exercises and thoughts and and. Uh, to, to get after leadership in, in this realm of taking time to understand their workforce? Are there any parting shots that you want to leave with them? So I think the biggest thing, Eric, is, is people, you just have to try. You just have to be involved, um, be passionate about where you are, and invest. I mean, take personal responsibility for what's going on in your organization and invest in what you want it to be. Make it better. If it's not the best organization you've ever been in, then why not? And you, you do something about it. It goes back to what we we're talking about, the, the activities that it takes, the actions that it takes. For actionable leadership to happen, you have to decide and you have to invest time, energy, and effort into it and be passionate about it. I think that's the biggest portion of it. And I think just have the courage to fail. Because, um, yeah. you know, you're, you're going to try it and you're going to learn from those experiences. You know, might have, you know, I sat there and I tried to ask this one individual about their family and they tell me to go pound sand, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. because it might work with the next person and you'll start to find, you know, what the commonalities between them are. So yeah, I just, yeah. just that's, that's great advice. Just, just go and go out and try it, you know, go out and try to be, uh, you know, the best leader you can be. So, um, so with that, I just want to say thank you for, for coming on and, and sharing your experiences and your thoughts on, you know, um, ex- you know, the part two of the practical leadership series that you gave us yeah. and that we posted on leadership, uh, is tricky.com. Um, and for all those out there listening, uh, you can find us on all the major platforms. Um, you can also um, reach this uh, podcast uh, via leadershipstricky.com. Um, and you can also see uh, Dean Smith, uh, Colonel Charles Dean Smith. You can see all his articles on leadershipstricky.com um, by going to shared experiences and all the articles are there. Um, or you can uh, reach us on LinkedIn or Facebook and the, po- the articles are posted there as well. So, Dean, thanks again for, for being on the show. And uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll, we'll call it there. Thanks for having me here. All right. Thanks.